0: Is
1: The Prophet isn't just critical The Prophet is critical To give God's vision of what the future is supposed to look like instead of being this way we ought to be this way so oftentimes people like they like to be the peanut gallery they like to be critical of everybody that's not a prophetic gift that's just a sinful disposition of the heart the true prophetic gifting will call into question the status quo but also say this is what God wants for us this is
0: why the status quo is a problem Trials have a way of taking our focus away from everything else and straight into complaint mode. That's what we'll hear as Pastor Daniel takes us through the experience of God's people as they struggled in the wilderness. they would just been delivered from a life of slavery and hardship, but all it took was some discomfort and bland food to stir up the grumbles. (laughs) There's an alternative, though. That's to call out to the Lord. He'll give us perspective. Now here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled "Praise and Problems." Jesus, is
1: We all need to realize that this is how God works. Because the Lord is glorious in holiness, because of that, He's fearful in praises. We know that fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because of God's perfection, because of His holiness, when we praise Him, we should tremble in His presence. Because of who He is, God does wonders. God stretches out His hand, and things happen. In God's mercy, He led His people forth whom He redeemed. That is how God works. So God is glorious, He's holy, He does wonders, He's praiseworthy. God redeems people in his mercy and he guides us in his strength. I believe that God wants us to have a God-sized view of him. It's so easy to believe in God, but yet think God has no control, that God isn't strong, that God isn't merciful, that God isn't glorious and holy. But when we see him for who he is, That changes everything when we realize that our God is not weak. He's not like, you know, like the kid who gets picked on. That's not who God is. He's strong and He redeems and He guides us in strength. Verse 14. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia, and the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, verse 15, will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them. By the greatness of your arm, they will be as still as a stone till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. See, now he's speaking about the future. They have not gone into the promised land yet. And he starts talking about what's going to happen for the inhabitants of Philistia, the chiefs of Edom, the mighty men of Moab the inhabitants of Canaan. See, oftentimes we can believe in God's future deliverances by looking back to what God has already done. So it's not like we're believing pie in the sky stuff. When you look back over your life and you see how the Lord has moved in your life, you can say, look, God, you've taken me thus far and I believe you're going to be able to finish this in my life. We can draw a lot of strength by looking at what God has done and we can foreshadow that into the future, trusting that God will remain as faithful as he's always been. I love this because look at what it says in verse 17. You will bring them in and plant them. I like that. That God wants to bring the people in and he wants to plant them in the promised land. He wants to give them a place to dwell for himself. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, has brought you in and planted you? You know, whenever I, when I think about plant, I always think of Pastor Bill. Because Pastor Bill loves his, his gardening. It's super cool. I, I'd kill every plant. But Pastor Bill's got a green thumb. And so does his wife, Betty, you know? So I think about that. Like, I think about the care that someone who tends to a garden takes with that garden. And that's exactly the picture that the Lord has given us. That he cares for us. That he's tending to us like a garden. That he's bringing us in and he's planting us. He's fertilizing and he's pruning. And he's doing all these things that we might be fruitful. And that's exactly what he's doing for the children of Israel here. He's just delivered them. And he is going to make them a dwelling place for himself. Notice that. For your own dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. That's a huge thing that God wants us to be a dwelling place for him. There's an old worship song, one of those old kind of Jesus people songs. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. I remember when I first sang that, I was brand new Christian. I'm like, man, I want that. I want my life to be a sanctuary, a dwelling place for God. Henry Scogel, the Puritan writer, called it the life of God in the soul of man. That's what God has done. If you're born again, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then God has taken his Holy Spirit and he's like, look, I'm going to dwell in you. And God wants as he dwells in us for the glory of who he is, his light to reflect out from us. What I love is it's not only about us being a dwelling place. It's about us being a dwelling place. And then we're also a lighthouse. And people come. They want to know about this light. And we share. Let inward renewal lead outward. See, because God wants to dwell in us so that he would have a point of contact for himself in people's lives. I don't need to know everybody in the world. You know why? Because God's got people all over the place. You know people I'll never meet. I know people you'll never meet, but we don't need to meet everybody. We all just need to engage the people around us as a dwelling for his spirit, that he might touch people through us. Now, verse 19, it says, For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them, The children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. So there's just kind of a recap of what happened. Now, in verse 20 and 21, Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And And Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Now notice this. Miriam, Aaron's sister, Also Moses' sister then, she's a prophetess. What that means is that God has given Miriam the gift of prophecy. Now notice that the gift of prophecy by the Lord is not gender specific. There are men prophets and there are women prophetesses. You find a number of them in the Bible. Now people always say, what is prophecy? Prophecy is not only foretelling Future events, it can be. Most often, if you do a study of prophecy in the Bible, prophecy has two components. One, it calls into question the status quo. A prophet will call into question what we just normally accept. Things that are going on every day, the prophet says that's a problem. A prophet calls into question the status quo and then energizes a more glorious vision of the future. See, the prophet isn't just critical. The prophet is critical to give God's vision of what the future is supposed to look like. Instead of being this way, we ought to be this way. So oftentimes people like, they like to be the peanut gallery. They like to be critical of everybody. That's not a prophetic gift. That's just a sinful disposition of the heart. The true prophetic gifting will call into question the status quo, but also say, this is what God wants for us. This is why the status quo is a problem. And one of the things I love about the Lord is the Lord loves to call into question our own individual status quo. doesn't he? Because the status quo is just the norm. And the Bible does not say that when we get saved, it should be honky-dory as normal. When we get saved, it means we're supposed to grow. And growing means change. Change. Now, how many of people in here are change resistors? We got some of them, right? Yeah. Guess what? If you want to be a Christian, you got to chuck that. That's only going to make you frustrated with God. Because God loves you enough not to want to leave you that way. And me too. He wants to change us. He wants to work on us. And the only way he can change us is to change us. So change is part of the equation. Growth means change. So don't resist the change. Simply say, God, what are you trying to teach me? I want to be more like Jesus. Thank you for loving me enough not to leave me like this. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that God loves me enough not to leave me this way. But change is part of the equation. So the office of the prophet functions in that way. Now Miriam, of course, she's a prophetess. She's a sister of Aaron. She takes her timbrel in her hand. That means God digs drums. That's what that means. God digs drums, takes her timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after with timbrels and with what? And with dancing. So any of you who grew up in a Baptistic home where dancing was sinful... You got a verse here. So listen, I want you to feel free to dance in the aisles if you got to. Seriously, don't be afraid of that. The key is they're not dancing to draw attention to themselves. They're just praising God. See, that's the problem. When you get into things like dancing, sometimes we want to be in the spirit. But we just really want people to notice us because we're narcissistic. And in church, we could be narcissistic in a spiritual way. But if you're just getting lost in worship, it's all good. But notice, Miriam is leading the ladies in rehearsing the same song. It only gives us the first four lines of the song, but in effect, what it's saying is that Miriam went out with the ladies, and the ladies were singing the song again, rehashing once again what God has done. It, it speaks of the idea of, of ritual and worship. There's nothing wrong with rituals. There's nothing wrong with saying, we're going to praise God, and we're going to sing the same song every week. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that until we deify the ritual. Then we have a problem. When we make the ritual God, then we have a problem. But it's important that we rehearse the reality of who God is in our lives. Repetition is the greatest teacher. We have to rehearse the gospel every single day. I've said it a lot of times. I need the gospel as much today as on the day that I first got saved. I need to hear it again. That God loves me, but yet I'm messed up. And Jesus died on a cross for me, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And God's filling me with his spirit. And God is living the resurrected life of Christ through me. And that God wants to change me. And we need to hear that every day, don't we? Numerous times a day. But Miriam goes out and she leads the ladies. Starts singing. And they're singing together. Now, starting in verse 22, we start the way of the wilderness. Now we're going to see them as they're traveling. First, they're going to travel to Sinai, and then they're going to spend more time in the wilderness. 40 years of wandering around the wilderness. We're going to see all the reasons why, but it begins here in verse 22. Look at what it says. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea when they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them and said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you. And when they came to Elam where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees so they camped there by the waters. Now, notice, they're leaving the Red Sea and they end up in this place that is called Mara. And Mara literally in the Hebrew means bitter. Why? Because the water was bitter. So they've had this great deliverance, right? They've praised God and they run right into problems because they get three days and there's no water. Now you got to realize it's an arid climate there. Has anybody been outside for three days with no water? I hope not. You can imagine how uncomfortable that would be. And that means no Starbucks, no Gatorade, no five-hour energy, none of that stuff. They were liquidless, In the wilderness for three days. And so, what happens when that happens? Who do they complain against? Moses. Moses is in trouble. Listen, leadership is really cool, except you have to realize that when things aren't going right, the leader's in trouble. Moses is in trouble. They are complaining. The Bible says we should do all things without grumbling and complaining. Let's say that together as a church do all things without grumbling or complaining come on you could do it better than that I know you believe this do all things without grumbling or complaining now look at the person next to you and say do all things without grumbling and complaining you're laughing at your spouses aren't you (laughs) that's right because it's so easy to do all things with grumbling and complaining right we just are good at that. You right? Yeah. So tomorrow, when you start getting grumbly in your spirit, start getting all that com- that complaining on. Think to yourself: Do all things without grumbling or complaining. I love uh, John Wood, in the great coach from UCLA. He said one time, and I wrote it down: No whining, no complaining. And no excuses. And I thought to myself, that's a good way to live my life. No whining, no complaining, no excuses. Because we're really good at it, right? I mean, God just delivered the children of Israel with this mighty hand, and they're three days in the wilderness, and they're already complaining. But, and you might think to yourself, I mean, the children of Israel, these guys are out to lunch, right? Like, I mean, how could they be that way? But God has done the same thing for us. One day God does something great in our life, and the next day... We're complaining about everything. I can't believe you did this, Lord. Right? So we need to learn from the children of Israel. We're all made with the same stuff. And we all do the same things. They start complaining against Moses. What shall we drink? And so what does Moses do? Verse 25, he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. Instead of complaining, cry out to the Lord. Instead of thinking that grumbling is going to change anything except make you grumpy and everyone around you a little grumpy, start praying. Because notice, they complain, Moses talks to the Lord, and the Lord shows them a tree. Now, the tree in the Bible is a type of what? A picture of what? The cross. Cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. You know what happens when we complain and we go to the Lord? the Lord shows us the cross. He reminds us of what he has done for us in Christ. And we need to keep the cross of Jesus Christ where the Son of God died on our behalf. We need to keep it before us. Amy Carmichael, the great missionary, said it this way, if I love any place except the dust at the foot of the cross, then I know nothing of Calvary love. You want to go get a fun, simple book? It's Amy Carmichael's book, If. It's all an if statement, and then I know nothing of Calvary's love. And it's literally like a 100 of those on 100 pages. And it's a powerful book, one sentence a page. That one, if I love any place except the dust at the foot of the cross, then I know nothing of Calvary's love. Because when we want to complain about everything, be grumpy about everything, we pray, God says, look at the cross. I got everything taken care of. I got this dialed in for you. I finished the work. It's done. Live and walk in victory. It's over. It's finished. But notice, the waters are bitter. God shows Moses a tree. And look what the Lord says to him in verse 25. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Wow. You put the tree into the waters and it becomes sweet. Now, some people try and figure out which kind of tree he put in there to make it so, and there might be natural causes, but this is meant to be seen as a miracle. That's what it's meant to be. It doesn't need to have natural causes. It was bitter water, it tasted nasty. Speaking of bitter water, I want to tell you a fun story. If you've ever been to Israel... I remember the Dead Sea, right? The Dead Sea, it's called the Dead Sea because it's so salty. If you, if you go to swim in the Dead Sea, you just float. It's totally cool. You don't even need swimmies, right? So I went there and I remember I had Lynn with me and Obadiah was like 11 months. And I, and I told Lynn, I know Lynn that didn't understand that it was the Salt Sea. I didn't tell her that. So I, you know me, I'm a good husband. I'm like, sweetie, you need to taste the water. It's really good. I, d- I did this. I, I'm honest. I'm, I'm, I'm confessing, pray for me. It's a long time ago, though. But I had my camera ready, you know what I mean? And she's like, oh, really? And my wife's so sweet. She's like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's really good. And she went down, she tasted it. Ah, It was nasty. And I got a great picture for just like... She's a good sport, though, because she still loves me. Long-suffering woman, you know? Praise God for her, you know? So I don't know why I brought that up. But anyway, I thought of Bitter Waters, and I just thought of that story, so... But to dial it back in by way of application, the cross of Jesus Christ makes a bitter circumstance actually sweet. It really does. When you see that God's at work in your life, that the curriculum of your life, the bitter curriculums, is actually something that God is using to grow you up. It makes bitter things sweet. And he goes on and he tells them, listen, in verses 26 and 27, He's like, look, if you heed my voice and do what is right in my sight, you will never see a plague. Notice that. If you hear my words, heed my words and do what is right. Brothers and sisters, we need to hear God's word and do what it says. God does not want us to go through trials, but oftentimes, oftentimes, we're just not willing to do what he asks. We're not willing. And things happen. Now, it's interesting. Verse 27, they get to Elam, and it's, it's like a spa for these people. They just had this great deliverance. They had this issue at Mara, and now notice they came to Elam. Twelve wells of water and 70 palm trees. Sounds good, doesn't it? That's like spa time. So they end up there. Verse 16. Chapter 16, verse 1. And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month, after they departed from the land of Egypt. So this is exactly one month. Notice that the 15th day of the second month. This is exactly one month after they left Egypt on the 10th plague with the Passover. So one month has gone by, Right? Notice what it says in verse two. The whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. It's like good night, right? This is what you call selective remembrance. They're upset with Moses. I mean, they just came from a spa, but they're upset now. Jesus is real. I'm sure many of you who are listening today are both amazed and frustrated by the current political landscape. I always laugh at those t-shirts that people wear that tell you to vote for some alternative pop icon. So whether you're thinking about voting for Pedro or Eddie Vedder or anybody else, I had my team here at Crossroads create us some awesome t-shirts that communicate the real message of this voting season. We need to always remember that Jesus is in control and we can always count on him. So this month, we're offering a fun t-shirt for Jesus Real Radio listeners that will really make a statement. It's pretty simple. It says, vote for Jesus. And when you join us by partnering with Jesus Real Radio this month, everyone you pass by on the sidewalk will see your vote for Jesus t-shirt and know who you stand for and what life is really about. It's not a political candidate or party. It's the creator of the universe who loves us and calls us by name. Here's Josh with more information.
0: Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Through the month of October, we're offering each listener who supports Jesus is Real Radio their very own Vote for Jesus t-shirt with a gift of $25 or more. Remember, this isn't just a t-shirt. You'll be accomplishing two things. First, you'll be communicating to everyone around you that Jesus is who is foremost in your mind in these politically turbulent times. Second, your gift helps support Jesus is Real Radio. Every little bit of support that we receive helps us to maintain the reach of Jesus is Real Radio and even expand. So again, if you're listening today and you'd like to get your hands on a really cool T-shirt, and help support Jesus Is Real Radio Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com And click on Partner And then the big blue button that says T-Shirt Offer There you can give your donation of $25 or more To receive your Vote for Jesus T-Shirt Please remember to include the size of shirt that you'd like We pray God's blessing upon you And join us next time for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio